Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, Koshi here. Before we get into this episode of The Call, I've got a favor to ask. The bigger the Ausbiz audience, the more we can invest in great content and keep providing quality investment ideas to you for free. If you could just take a minute of your time to leave a review of the call in the Apple podcast app, it'll help keep our tribe growing. And of course, don't forget to catch up with all the best interviews each day at ausbiz.com.au. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the call. Hello, welcome back to Ausbiz. Great to have your company as we kick off the PM here uh, with The Call. Ten stocks, two experts uh, giving their opinion over 60 minutes and uh, terrific to have on board today Andrew Page from Strawman. Andrew, how things? Very well, thank you. Um, the Strawman team, what's tickling their fancy on the market at the moment? Any any Zoom? Strawman, of course, is an investment club. It's a great website to go to where um, investors swap ideas, um, follow different stocks, and and yeah. you you measure the the pulse of them, don't you? Yeah, we regularly? try to. I mean, it's look, it's it's eighteen thousand people on there now. So, but um, in terms of the most trending, when I looked this morning, it was actually Kogan was proving to be pretty oh. popular at the moment. It's climbing up the rankings a little bit, and now Cydian's done very well for us in the last year oh, or so as well. And okay. that's still still pretty popular. Yes, popular with you too. Cydian came up on on the call. What was it last week? And two weeks ago, I think. two weeks yeah. ago, mm-hmm. and you fessed up at your biggest holding. It was at yeah. the time. Yep. Uh, who was it with? It was that with time? me. Oh, it was oh, me. Yeah, he yes. got me on the bandwagon six months ago. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a great job. And they've come out with a capital raising. And so yeah. far, so good. Is partnering crime, as you can see on the panel today, Michael Wade from Medallion Financial. Michael, good to see you. Good to be back. Um, what's the pulse of clients? But that is at the moment. How are they? Everyone's been pretty, pretty good, feeling pretty buoyant at the moment. The markets are obviously pushing towards those all-time high levels again. And I think that's always engenders a pretty positive atmosphere. But you've got to be careful and cautious. Uh, it was only a couple of weeks ago. Everyone was freaking out about inflation rearing its head. And we saw a big sell-off in some of the growth names. But we started to see that stabilise a little bit. Uh, the yeah. market's sort of progressing through a mini reporting season at the moment, as we were talking about off-air. Uh, we get a lot of quarterly updates, production numbers from a lot of the mining companies. So there's always something going on, yeah. which is good. Yeah, and big reporting's uh, season at the moment is in the US. Well, that's right. A lot of the tech stocks, big tech stock, uh, stocks reported overnight yeah. as and well. and so far so good. Um, but the numbers look pretty strong. Um, yeah. It's just whether or not markets are too expensive or not. But the uh, earnings are certainly coming through, which could support mm. things. Yeah, exactly. All right, before we get into your 10 stocks, I um, take a look at a, a stock of the day, something that's in the news, and thought I'd choose one um, that hasn't come up on the call before, Enero Group, um, uh, a marketing advertising group here in Australia. They've acquired McDonald Butler Associates, a UK sales and marketing agency that includes Hotwire, 
uh, a te technology communications consultancy. Uh, Aniro, at the smaller end of the market, I must admit, I got in on, on the float of it a couple of years ago. And uh, on, on the advice of uh, my brother, actually, <laughs> who, who knew the business, it was supported by the Grundy sort of investment empire, the Reg Grundy one, and uh, it's done all right for me. But um, uh, Michael, what do you think of Yeah, Aniro? I must admit it wasn't one I was familiar with, um, despite the fact it's no Which does specky. say to me, for a marketing and advertising <laughs> agency, if, uh, if they're not putting their name out in the investment markets. It's the wrong crowd, maybe. What sort of? <laughs> Yeah, the wrong crowd. I see that as a positive. Yeah, oh, they're marketing okay. to people that matter. Oh, okay. <laughs> Not all of the brokers. It's done, and it's done wonderful things, uh, and it's a business that's been growing a lot through acquisition over the years. Um, in recent times, they did spin off a company called Frank, and, and that took the market a little bit by surprise. I think yeah. there's a bit of a management buyout there, but it did give them some cash, and obviously they're putting some of that cash to, to, to good use. Hopefully, um, with this recent acquisition. Um, it's again, it's not a business I'm familiar with. I, I need to do a lot more research before I can add anything more of value. But looking at that performance chart, um, you could be in worse places. Mm. What do you reckon, Andrew? I'm going to admit to it as well. I wasn't familiar well, with it. Well, and with straw man as well, I, this is your end of the market. It hasn't come up, but may, maybe this will okay. change after today. And here I imagine. You want to start <laughs> pumping up the communications or the investment markets? Look, I think when it comes to what matters and what a management team should be always focused on is delivering real bucks at the end of right. the day. And and that's where the credit seems due. So although I'm, I'm very new to this, you, you bring up the data here and there has been some very, very impressive uh, profit growth, importantly per share profit growth, which is yeah. what matters to our shareholders. Shareholders have done very well. So whatever they're doing, whatever they're spending their time on, right. it, it clearly seems to be working. Um, so like Michael, a lot of work is needed. I am naturally timid of service-oriented companies. Yep. The, the assets with Aniro are the, you know, as they say, go up and down in the elevators uh, every day. They're, they're the people that are there. And, and marketing yep. is undoubtedly... The creative types. Of the, yeah, sort of stuff and they're the rainmakers. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's one of those things where so many people... Everyone acknowledges that marketing is important. But as the old saying goes, you do, every marketing, half of every marketing budget is wasted. You just don't know which, yeah. which half. Um, and so it, the continued success of this business um, depends on, as Michael said, some very um, savvy acquisitions in terms of how they manage their capital, because that's what they do. They tend to grow by acquisitions and having a yep. nice stable of companies, but also within each of those businesses, delivering some good organic growth. And when you, as an analyst, look in your crystal ball and try and say, well, where, what do earnings look like in, yep. in the future in a hyper-competitive market, in a market yep. that's very susceptible to the cyclicality of, the, of economic conditions, it just puts it in a harder category. Sure. Um, so, so for that, it's 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 a, just a pass for me at this point in time. Having said credit where it's due, it's done very well, and, and congrats to to getting in early. It looks like you've done well. And yeah, no, it's not me. <laughs> <laughs> I took the advice of somebody well, else. You made the decision to uh, buy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, let's get into the uh, ten stocks you want us to take a look at. And Andrew Jill wants a view on NIB Holdings, the, uh, the private health insurer, which has certainly. Um, 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 shot the lights out in terms of its performance. Uh, share price had a good increase so earlier this week or late last week on um, some some a good trading update. And and well, it's not just recently. These guys have been getting it done for a long time. Yep. And speaking of tough businesses, insurance is a, is a tough oh, yeah. business as well. You've got to... You've well, got to... I was stunned at their result. Oh, it's... Uh, you can see the jump up in the 
uh, the last week or so on the back of those results so because the, you, you just expect them to be poor performers. Well, and they took a bit of an impact from uh, COVID as well. They do a lot of insurance coverage for people coming in from overseas, international students and yeah. like, and just if you think about it, just general travel insurance as well. So obviously that side of the business has taken a huge whack, yeah. um, but everything else has held up really well. Longer term, they've had um, a lot of success by focusing on the younger, healthier demographic. Yeah. So the average age of uh, a client for NIB is actually around 40 or so, mm. um, which to me is looking increasingly young. <laughs> Didn't always. <laughs> um, yeah, cry me a river. <laughs> um, but, uh, and, and, they, and they have just delivered, uh, you know, period after period after period. So they're now forecasting, um, it seems to me, growth of sort of the mid to upper single digits rate for the next couple of years. You're getting a 3% yield while, while it waits. So um, insurance can can throw you some curveballs every now and again, just by yep. nature of, of yep. uh, less in health health uh, insurance, obviously. But, but still, um, I think it is a, a hold for me at this point in time, purely because I think you'll probably do decently with this over time, probably eight, nine, 10% per annum on average with dividends included, that's fine. Um, but I'd, I'd like a little bit more upside personally. Yep. It's a good quality business, probably the best mm. of breed when it comes to those private health insurers yeah. and essentially- Really good chief executive too. Yeah, right? um, yep. and their performance is really a function of two things, population growth and more people in the country, more people need private health insurance, but also the cost of health. Um, yep. and, and health is becoming more and more expensive. The issue for many private health insurers at the moment is the government is trying to compress the rise that we've been seeing in private health premiums, because you know for so long there, those private health premiums were going up almost double digits every yeah. year. So I think there's been a sort of big, big um, approach taken by governments to get those increases under control, and that will crimp revenue to some degree. They've definitely been a beneficiary of the, the recovery after COVID. Um, so obviously there's a lot of deferred surgeries um, around that sort of COVID period. We're starting to see that pick up. Uh, and their most recent upgrade to earnings was about 20% above the market consensus. So that's mm. a huge upgrade to earnings and not surprising to see a big jump like and, that. And by targeting a younger demo, mm -hmm. is that a more profitable end of the market for them because they don't get well, as sick than oldies yep. who go to the doctor a lot? It's hard because obviously the premiums are a lot lower, yeah. um, but there's arguably a lot more growth as well in that part of the market right. because... Okay you're going to get more and more younger people taking up private health insurance. Whereas if you're targeting the older age brackets, they've already yeah. got private health insurance. Uh, yeah. well, there's not such a big market to tap. So yeah, look, for us, it's a, a hold. It's probably yeah. still a business with a few challenges because of the premium increases being somewhat capped in this environment. Okay. All right. But um, as we say, Im impressive business in that sector. Yeah. All right. Um, uh, Michael Alex wants a view on uh, James Harding, the uh, the big building products yeah. uh, group, um, core product, I suppose, of gypsum and things like that, yeah. so, and in the United States as well. So might be affected by the dollar. Yeah, so fibre, cement, all that sort of yep. stuff. Talking about best of breed in their sector, this is probably an example of that. It's a company that we have held for clients and done very well off, probably not held it for enough clients, to be honest. It always looks somewhat expensive. Um, but what's happening in the US is we think our housing market's going gangbusters. In the US, they've really managed to get the momentum going. Um, we're seeing sort of people in the age bracket between you know, the mid-20s to 40 years year old really entering the housing market again. Yeah. 
after a period since the GFC really where they were absent. You've also had a lot of dual rupperers during the, the COVID period where people have been fixing up their, their houses. And the US just really to sit down still need about 1.5 million new houses built each year. So it's a huge market, it's a growing market. Uh, and James Hardy's in a very good position to meet the growing demand over there. And a lot of ha houses there don't use bricks, do they? No, it not really. Fi it's fibre, fibre, cement, fibro houses, yeah. especially yeah. for like the add-ons and yeah. and that sort of thing. So, look, would I be buying it now? It, it's hard, um, maybe psychologically, just because of the, the run-up and the valuation. But looking at the balance sheet, it seems pretty good. Psychologically, because you've always thought it too expensive. Too expensive, and it's so kept it's going up despite looking quite expensive. <laughs> um, that, look, the, the, rising, the rising US dollar as well is probably a, a benefit for them. Um, but look, for me, it's just, again, a hold, a good business, right. doing great things, but just seems a bit expensive at the moment. Still, I know. Can't I'm gonna manage stick to go into it. Okay, what do you reckon? Uh, I'm gonna agree. I, I think. <laughs> I think. I was really surprised when I sort of panned back and looked at how uh, successful a performer this was. Yep. Shares were like five bucks in '96. <laughs> They've been around for a long time. Yeah. And the thing that you notice with this business is that it's just um, just very volatile. It's dependent on uh, the housing industry, and that's something that we know is can be unpredictable and volatile. But they. They weather the bad times and they prosper in the good. So it, it's something I don't generally um, uh, am attracted to only only because it requires more skill with timing than I um, am able to, to possess. Yeah. Um, so when you're able to sort of have a, a pretty firm view on macro trends and where that's likely to go, I think these are guys who are likely to operate very well in that environment. But if you get the timing wrong, it can be, you know, not, the best management in the world is not going to save you. So... Um, look, seven consecutive quarters of growth with improving margins. I noticed on their most recent presentation, that's really great. Net sales were up 20% in the third quarter. Um, uh, they're a very reliable payer of, of dividends. It's really hard to be negative on this, but just again, if you want to be a bit fussy and maybe there is an anchoring bias at play there, um, I, I would wait a little bit. Right, okay. All right, so a hold on James Hardy. All right, our next stock uh, up for adjudication, uh, Australian Ethical. Andrew, this is um, sort of, has, as the name implies, sort of really plays in yeah. to this ESG that so many investors have as a filter now on their investing, don't they? Yep. And this, like, honestly, I'm old it's enough to remember well. that there wasn't ever a consideration. And then no. it's now a, it's a real consideration for a lot of people. So I think Australian Ethical have done two things really well. They've tapped into a really effective mark, uh, messaging. Um, but credit where it's true, they're actually really great fund managers yeah, as yeah. well. It's not like... It's actually performed, isn't it? They're, a lot of time, a few years ago, when it wasn't on anyone's radar, you get professionals going, oh, yeah, this airy, fairy, soft, ethical stuff. That might be great, but they never perform. Well, you think there's um, a compromise to be made, right? This yes, this does. I'll avoid some polluters and gamblings and cigarette cut and all the yeah. usual, but yeah. there, there will be a compromise. There will be a cost to that. Well, in fact, it's turned out to be the opposite. They've got yeah. a raft of funds. They've all done crazily well. I'm going to say Claude Walker from A Rich Life. He's the biggest fanboy for Australian ethical. Well, and he was on it for years. years. You know, years so this years. isn't just Johnny come lately. He's yeah. just noticed that Claude's picked it uh, well, but far better than, than a lot of people. So credit credit to him. Um, 
uh, so obviously that that's all good news um, for them because obviously you've got more people going into your funds. Your yeah. funds are worth more because the performance is so good. So your performance fees go up, and yeah. so it fundamentally it's performed incredibly well. What I I've, I do struggle with, and this is this is something that I feel as though we're probably saying a lot in in recent times, but it just seems like yeah, great company, but too expensive, right. and and we know all of the problems that can that can come with that kind of stuff. There are also problems with just forgetting valuation and and investing on FOMO as well, and I think that's one of the traits of successful investors is being able to sit calmly while everyone else around you is seemingly making insane yeah. <laughs> amounts of easy money, um, and and and. You know, so so look. All, all of that being said, I really like the business. Credit credit where it's due, but not for me. Too expensive. Yeah, uh, Michael. Um, great company. All those key metrics are moving in the right direction. You look at mm-hmm. sort of revenue, earnings, um, margins. It's a very scalable business, and it's actually been around for a long time, a lot longer mm-hmm. than people would yep. sort of know. Um, so. It is one that I've got my eye on, but mm. the fact is, again, it's had a huge run up in, in recent times, and that's probably. Um, because we've been sitting on our hands, we just watched it sort of rally away. But great business. They think they had about 700 mil net inflows in the last sort of wow. financial year or wow. something like that. Obviously, the performance has been very good. They've obviously got their marketing down pat. So it's a fund manager in many sense of the word, um, doing all the right things. I, I would almost go a, a buy on it just because I think the momentum in the business is very, yeah. very strong. And as we've seen with companies like Magellan in the past, when you've got your distribution networks down yeah. pat, you've got your performance under control and you're sort of spreading the word, you almost reach a point of critical mass um, where every new dollar that comes in as a funds under management just sinks through to the bottom line. And and you talk talk to a lot of financial planners who say the intergenerational change in portfolios, you know, when mum and dad die and the kids take over the portfolio, they're saying to their planners and advisors, we want a bigger bend on ESG than Mm. Mum and Dad didn't care about it. We do. So, and they seem to corner the yeah. market because, as you say, they're not a Johnny come lately. No, they've that's been doing right. this way before it became fashionable. And that's right. And they've not only done the ethical side of things, but they've got the results as well. Yeah. So that would just see money, yeah. I think, continue to herd their way. Um, and for that reason, I'm tempted to give it a buy. Oh, okay. Yeah. Got them. Have you got a five year chart there? I think you've only just been showing the one year we got a five, has it? Oh. Something no, there's a there. glitch yeah. there. No, there's a scale right. issue. It's yeah, yeah, much no. than that. Uh, sorry, got him. That's the reason he didn't bring it up, and I foolishly asked <laughs> for it, and it's got a glitch in the um, uh, in the chart there. Uh, that's why he knows more than me in terms of running the show. All right, uh, Michael. Our, our next stock is Aluka Resources, uh, basically a, a mineral sands company with. Uh, some royalties coming out of iron ore sales from a, a BHP area in Western Australia. What do you think of uh, Aluka? Yeah, it's a bit of a, a niche miner with, with zircon yeah. and, and titanium as well, I think. Um, look, it's a pretty small market. Um, the 50% or well over 50% of demand comes from China. They are actually able to control the supply into the market to sort of adapt to the different pricing conditions um, because it is such a small market and there aren't many miners out there. Um, Those digitally printed tiles is actually a main driver of demand for these different commodities that they're involved in. Yeah, so you see in different houses and and so on and so forth. 
The issue that they face, like so many miners do, is that their mine life is quite small, uh, quite short. So the options for growth for this business are somewhat limited. Uh, you mentioned that they've got uh, an, an agreement in place with BHP where they receive some of the royalties of a mine. I think that contributes about 15% to Aluka's revenue or so. Um, but for me, it's a company that's short mine life, um, very small market, very cyclical prices. So I wouldn't touch it. Too hard, hard to predict. Even though I suppose people uh, are giving it attention because it has those royalties That's... on iron ore prices. And what? Iron ore priced to $193 a tonne last night. Crazy. Back and to sort of mining boom sort of stuff. Unbelievable. Are you tempted to... Are your clients ringing you at the moment saying, oh, I've got to get into Fortescue? I remember or... on sort of previous media appearances going back years ago when Fortescue was $2 saying that's yeah. on their store, given a miss. Yeah. Look at it today, it's $25. <laughs> so when it comes to commodity investing, hasn't been our, our proudest hour, but yeah. we've certainly had clients in some BHP. We've had some Oz Minerals, Sandfire, which yeah. have been good for so, so part of a... A portfolio. Yeah, taking a more macro view, understanding that's very cyclical, but not wanting to, to miss out. It has, I must admit, drawn us away from our investment philosophy, but we've been willing to do that in a sort of pre-COVID, or sorry, post-COVID environment. Yeah. But yeah. we won't be in there forever, I can assure you. No, that. no, it is extraordinary. Josh Frydenberg, the Federal Treasurer, would be rubbing his hands with glee because in last year's budget papers for this financial year, um, they assumed an iron ore price of $55 a ton. <laughs> so it has been over mm -hmm. double, triple that for basically all of this financial year. So when the federal budget comes out, week after the next one is up the 11th of May, I think it is. Um, um, uh, they will be screaming from um, uh, the rooftops, our budget deficit is a lot lower than everyone's expecting, da, 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 all because of the iron ore price. It has a huge influence. What you said there at the end is the key. Politicians being politicians, yeah. I'm sure it will be down to brilliant financial yes, management. Exactly right. Exactly <laughs> I'm not. Right. I'm not going to weigh into <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, but yeah, yes, yeah. it, it yeah. is a free kick that the government has, has just got right. to go. Which has all been bought by China. Yeah. <laughs> we're saying the drums of war. They're beating the drums of war. Oh, now. it's a oh, it's an interesting game. Call that it? off. Yeah, yeah, it is an interesting Andrew, game. So anyhow, we're a bit distracted there. Aluka resources. Let's, let's not go into that. Yeah. So Aluka <laughs> resources. Um, so actually, I'll go back one step. We went talking about Australian ethical just a moment yes. ago. So they're notable just for what not as much as what they do invest in, but what they don't invest in uh, as well. And you know, surprise, surprise, when you look at the major funds there, it's energy and materials that is virtually no exposure. So they do it for ethical reasons, but that is just the case generally. You always have the four SKUs of before. In fact, when you look back over generally any five or 10 year period, the top ASX market performer is almost always a mining company. Yeah. Um, because when they hit, and they, they, the returns are just insane. Yeah. Um, but, they, but statistically more often than not, they don't. Right. Um, so it's a very, very tough space. And we've, we've talked about that heaps of time before on the, on the program. But look, Iluka, very big, 60-year history, uh, pays a dividend, profitable. It'll be around, I'm sure, in a, in a long, long time. But it's just you have no control over the price of, of your property. Michael said maybe a little bit in terms yeah. of what you can yeah. manage supply. Um, it, it's very, very, very tricky. You just see it again and again. So for me, it's 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 just a hard pass. I'm, I'm happy to miss the odd, you know, 100-bagger kind of mining stock. Yeah, and, and and focus on a higher 
and safer average. Right, okay. All right, thank you for that, Kent. Appreciate the suggestion. Uh, and next stop from viewers, um, Andrew, Domino's Pizzas. Uh, it was one of the hot COVID stocks as we all sort of got home delivery with our pizzas as we were in lockdown and sitting on the couch. Yeah, so, you know, when you look back, if you were to go back in a time machine, sort of five years or so, and sort of tell some investors, you know, what were going to be the real standout. Some things, some themes probably wouldn't be too surprising, like yeah. technology and, and all the rest of it. A pizza franchise to be one of the best performing <laughs> large cap stocks on the ice, you just wouldn't have picked it. No. I mean, where, where's the competitive edge? Like everyone can make pizza, yeah. you know, and, and the returns here have been insane. So oh, the last couple of years, I should admit, they've been a little bit flat. Yes. But prior to that, like they, their per share earnings have tripled since 2014. They've gone overseas. They've had phenomenal success yeah. there. They've basically destroyed Pizza Hut in Australia. Because yeah, it's not just Australia. They're in Germany and Japan. Japan. Yeah, big. They're, they're big, big in, Japan, in Japan, actually. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're, they're getting bigger in Japan. Yeah. Uh, wasn't the greatest of starts, but they seem to be doing well. And the Japanese really embraced home yeah. order pizza during COVID yeah. as well. So that, that go. they've gone back into lockdown in Japan too with a third wave. Well, see, yeah. I, I think there's no coincidence. So yes, you can talk about the you know everyone's ordering in, but yeah. but what the 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 week that Domino's is is reaping at this point in time is they have spent consistently for a long, long time a lot of effort on the customer experience and in particular technology. technology. So I just sort of said the theme of the last five years has all been about tech, not pizza. It's kind of about well, they, tech. Well, they say they're a tech stock. Yeah, I, I think that, I actually think they are, you know? So if anyone's ordered pizza on their phone before, try Domino's and then try someone else. It's it's insanely different. Well, I, I, yeah. had, I met with one of their franchisees um, about two years ago. He had five stores, Right. okay? All, and what they do is really good franchisees, they give a clump of stores to you or you build up if you prove yourself. Yep. This plate was showing me his franchisee app. And in real time of his, of his five stores was how many staff were on, uh, what was the yield per pizza, the pizzas being sold at the time. He could shift his staff from store to store Electronic say, you know, if a, uh, a bit slow in one, he'd shift one of the staff to one of the busy ones and things like that. It's amazing. All, all on an app yeah. in real time. It was the type of pizzas being sold, the yield on each pizza, how long it was being taken per person, per employee. So It was phenomenal. So re more recently, they've now partnered with another company called Dragon Tail. Oh, they bought it. Disclosed. They? No, they oh, don't. No, bought, no, they no, didn't buy it. They, they, it is listed. Yeah, it's a it very small speculative. I've got a small shareholding in it. Um, but they, they do the, they, this camera that looks at the pizza. It's got AI associated with it. More than what, more than that, they have this whole store management thing yeah. and, and, um, and delivery management thing. Domino's was a very early adopter of yes. that. And so it's, it's just, this is a story of a very tough industry, but being dominated by someone who is just an incredibly efficient operator and very, very uh, focused yeah. on the customer. I think they've actually got a, a long way to run. So they're still opening up heaps of store, dozens and dozens of stores each quarter. And importantly, on, so it's not just new store growth, there's organic growth in those stores as well. So I think, I think it's actually, a, I might actually put it as, a buy, and I say that hesitantly because again, we've said it again and again, it just seems quite expensive. The P is about 50 at this point in time. So for a long-term play, a cautious, uh, yes. Wow, 
Okay. Um, Domino's is one that we held for clients like five, six years ago when it was going through its initial growth phase. Um, And then what happened was they became quite more mature in Australia um, in that, you know, once you've got a Domino's in most suburbs, it becomes very difficult to continually open more Domino's because you're not doing your current franchisees a favor. So you go to Japan, (laughs) you go to Europe, Um, but they were doing some very large scale acquisitions in Europe and the early success, particularly in Japan was poor. And then growth numbers started to really decline um, and, or not decline, but the rate of growth was not as good as it yeah. once was. And then it went through a very tough period. And we actually exited and had done very well out of it. But I never really <coughs> thought about getting back in. So like you, you sort of you sell out, you don't pay as much attention to yeah. the business. But you don't notice things like Japan, what was once really a, an albatross around its neck, was actually really starting to pick up and do some good things. Some of the acquisitions that they had done in Europe a few years earlier had really started to kick in as well. And the whole idea for Domino's the whole time was essentially to try and replicate the margins and growth they were seeing in Australia in Europe um, and and try and consolidate that market, which was very fragmented, and then try and get those gross margins to roughly the same level as they were in Australia, which seemed pretty impossible at the time, just given the nature of the European markets. But they've had a lot of success in doing that. so from look, COVID's obviously been a real shot in the arm for them. And that does concern me a little bit as we transition out of this period. Um, management have even come out and suggested that same store sales growth, which had been around sort of 30% in Japan, will come down and actually be negative in the, in the next quarter going forward. So for mine, I just want to see how this business cycles through back to a normalized environment. Yeah. And I suppose they're a beneficiary of Roland COVID lockdowns in yeah. business too, is it? Japan goes back into lockdown. Yeah, that's right. Germany's had a spike and things like that. So, uh, uh, so a no for you? A no for um, me, a hold for me. A hold for you. A okay. hold, yeah. All right. Um, I'm just checking Dragon Tail as well because it came up on the call a couple of months ago. Uh, thought of me, is Dragon Tail still in the calls portfolio? Yeah. Wow. Would, have, would have done um, well. Yeah, it's done well. I think I it's was a, on for that show. Yeah, <laughs> so it's a two-year high at the moment. And for the year, last year, uh, it's up. It's double. So, very, um, very volatile. Very yeah. small, early stage. I'm just, for the sake of balance here, you know, it's not yeah, profitable. Uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. But okay. interesting. But you're in it. I've got a bit. Right. Okay. <laughs> Love the balance there. All right. Uh, let's uh, recap our first five stocks and our stock of the day. Anero, a no from uh, from Andrew. So I think it was a watch from you. A Michael, watch. Wasn't it? To do more work in it. Uh, NIB, a hold from both James Hardy, uh, uh, a hold. Uh, Australian Ethical, a no from Andrew. Um, and a watch for a uh, yes from... A yes, um, I think. Yeah, yeah. For Michael, Luca Resources, a no. And uh, on Domino's, a yes from Andrew and a hold from Michael. Uh, here on the call, we have our own fantasy portfolio, the calls portfolio, which we've uh, just mentioned a couple that are in it already uh, that we've been tracking since the 1st of July, thanks to our partner, Nabtrade. Any stock that gets two thumbs up from our expert panel, no matter which panel it is, it changes from day to day, as you know. Uh, goes into the portfolio. If the stock comes up again in front of the the panel, even though it could be a different panel and doesn't get unanimous approval, it goes out. Uh, If we take a look at how it's been tracking for the week where the portfolio is down 
0.6% for the month, up 3.5%, and since the 1st of July, up around 30%. Uh, take a look at some of the stocks recently added, Bravura, uh, Crown Resorts, Premium, DeGray Mining, Southern Cross Media, and Yoji. Uh, some of the stocks removed, Amcor and UX, ALL Property Group. If you want to take a look at all those stocks in the calls portfolio, head to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. And uh, coming up just after one o'clock, uh, Chief Executive of Life360, Chris Hull, is uh, joining us uh, as the company's share price hits record highs off the, uh, the back of uh, a potential acquisition of uh, Joybit. Um, which has only been the last day or so. So Life360, of course, is the um, wearable technology that um, tracks your kids. And now through this acquisition, um, might be able to track your pets and uh, uh, your elderly parents as well. That's where it goes into. So uh, Chris will be joining the team at 1.10 p.m. this afternoon. All right, let's get into uh, the second five stocks and... Uh, Michael Stephan wants a view on TPG Telecom, the big mm-hmm. telecommunications group, took over Vodafone. That's that right. Sort of the, is, it, would, is it second or third, second to Telstra or third behind Telstra and Optus? Isn't I it? think it, of, it depends on what area. Yeah. Um, I think in sort of mobiles, Mobile. it's second, yeah. um, but in landlines and, and internet, I think it's further down the list. Right. Yep. But um, you'll have to, I'll have to double check those. Oh, no, but, yep. um, yeah, but basically, this is a company that's done incredibly well over a, a decade period. Um, the, the chairman and founder of the company, or the former chairman, had recently stood down and that's taken a bit of the wind out of the sails um, of the company. There's potentially a bit of an overhang now threatening um, the business. Yeah, Wow. Um, and I think as well, it's, it's quite complex with the merger with Vodafone to really get a true picture of how the company is performing. Often the figures are a little bit complicated, so it takes time to cycle through that and to get a really good picture. Um, but as I said, over a long period of time, it's done a great job. It's gone around, it consolidated a fragmented telco industry and really emerged as a real competitor to TPG. But a lot of the analysts at the moment are pretty bearish on it. Um, there's a lot of preference for Telstra over TPG. In some recent round auction for Spectrum, TPG came out of it in a less favorable position compared to some of the other telcos such as Telstra. So I think all those factors at the moment um, are weighing on the share price. And look, when it's a share price is moving in that direction at that rate, it, I think yeah. sometimes it's best just to steer clear and wait for some positive news flow to re-enter the market. Gee, for so soon after the deal was done, of course, yep. it was all in the news. The Vodafone purchase took a long time, had to get yep. through government regulations. For Chairman and the MD to move, um, that That's would it. rattle investors, wouldn't it? It's a big issue big in the minds decision. of investors. And it's a big decision so soon after, particularly when there was so much hype build up yes. around the merger and the fact that the TPG founder was staying on, that was a big selling point to yeah. investors. So I'm not sure what's led to that decision. Um, there's also been a bit of a change in the management team where one of the sons of the chairman was found himself in a bit of trouble. He's had to stand down from the board. I think his brother's come on. But the fact is that family, the T.O. family, own a lot of shares. Yeah. Um, if they do decide to exit at whatever point in time, for whatever reason, the market is fearing that there's going to be a yeah. big overhang. Okay. 
All right. I, you guys made excellent points. Uh, yeah. David Teo is he's a genius. Yeah. Business. Like, there's no, everyone, there's no other word for everyone it. Everyone invested because of him, didn't they? Well, he, he speaking of rainmakers, right? Like this guy yeah. just and this uh, and talk about tough, tough uh, sectors, right? So they they came out of nowhere and they just gobbled up market share. They had a really good offering. It's hard to find too many bad um, things said about them from from customers. Um, their, their per share earnings are up threefold since 2014. You right. know, it's just, and it, it's David Teo. That's that's why um, such an incredible management team. Now he's gone. Yeah. yeah. So that that'll so normally when a manage, uh, senior management leaves, that's that is um, always not well received. Um, sometimes for better reasons than others. But in this case, I think it is legitimate. You've also got a fifteen billion dollar merger that you've got to work through. Mm. Now these things that's are usually rationalised by investment bankers through synergies and cost outs and all of these <laughs> kinds of stuff. But history will tell you statistically the odds aren't good on that. You know yeah. they're, they're very difficult. You, you're merging different cultures, different processes, different systems. All these back end um, systems have to talk to it. it. It's a nightmare. Yeah. It's an absolute nightmare. And and I'm sure that they'll probably have a, a red hot crack at it, but with so much uncertainty around, you mentioned uh, TO having a lot of shares, 17%. So it's well, one and a half, I wrote it down somewhere, one and a half billion dollars worth, $2 billion right. almost worth of, of stock there. Right. Uh, so Which yeah. used to be like four billion. You used to, yeah, he's done okay. He's done okay himself, but yeah, um, I wouldn't. No, it seems just too hard, doesn't yeah. it? As you guys keep telling me the whole time when you, when you only look at 20 stocks in your portfolio, you go for the easy ones. Yeah, so the that's I think so. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yep. All right, uh, next stock, um, uh, Andrew, Web Central, which is uh, a digital marketing agency for small to medium-sized businesses. Um, they're in the business of domain, domain names, web hosting, web design, search engine marketing, that sort of thing. So I actually had shares in this company, I want to say it'd be close to 20 years ago. Whoa. They used to be called ARC, right. A-R-Q. Before that, they used to be called Melbourne IT. So oh, these... they were Melbourne IT. Yeah, I think so. Well, they were the yeah. original domain name back in the days when you still had dial-up. Do you remember the tech, yes. the original tech boom? Yes. This was one of the darling stocks. Yes. This was one of those things, no one really knew what the internet was gonna be, but yep. it was gonna be big. Yep. Anything had .com, it was just fine. These, these guys are in the business of selling domain names. Yep. Look, they, they've been around for a long, 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 long time. They've just never really gone anywhere or right. ever really done anything. Where's the competitive edge? Where's oh, the competitive advantage? Every few years they have a new management team, a new strategy and a name change. You know, uh, yeah, it looks as though, uh, oh, there's a lot of dilution that goes on as well. Shares are up 50%. The share count, I should say, is up 50% in the last five years or so. Um, you know, that was $3.50 a couple of years ago. So it's sort of a one-year chart makes it look like it's been a spectacular performer. Is any any more perspective? Well, there it is on the yeah. screen. More perspective yeah. gives you a more in, a fuller picture. Um, just today, I think their third quarter results have come out. I haven't right. had a chance to, to look at them yet, but services, uh, again, type-based company, no competitive edge, long history of trying to continually be resurrected. It's You said it before, there's there's, yep. there's lower bars to step over. Yep, okay, um, It's a business that one particular prominent fund manager managed to not blow themselves up over, but had a huge holding and they had a lot of conviction in it, and then the share price fell away. and. And clearly this business is cycling through a very challenging period and there must have been a bit of a restructure um, or something is going on because their revenue is in free fall at the moment across most parts of their business and across the group it's about 
15, 20%. So when your revenue, your top line numbers coming down by that much, it's going to have a big impact on your earnings. It's a competitive business at the moment, isn't it? It's a very competitive space. Web hosting. Web hosting with this GoDaddy and crazy domains. Crazy domains. Very low margin business. So from my point of view, a company that's having their revenues clobbered across all parts, uh, you want to sort of steer clear. Okay. All right. Let's go to our next stop, which uh, stays in the, the tech side of things. Uh, Michael Whisper, uh, um, mm-hmm. SaaS Software as a Service. Um, um, a lot of these companies on the market. Um, this is a company that is a cloud-based platform for basically workflow solutions as mm-hmm. internal. Yeah, so basically allows people to communicate internally, but also with, yeah. with customers. Um, it's sort, a, of, they, sort of like a, a Slack type. Um, yeah, Do you know what so, I reckon it so. is? I, I think it's a bit like MailChimp if you've ever used oh, that. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah right. Okay. But, but broader in terms of you can do push notifications, SMS, right. voice, okay. email. Right. Yeah, it's, yeah. Okay. We, we really like the, the business. Um, it's been one that's, that's pulled back recently. <laughs> and we've had it on our watch list for some time. So for those that are looking for a, a growth tech name that's come under a bit of pressure, this is one that sort of ticks mm. the box for us. It's one of those low-code, no-code platforms. So in, in the past, you would have had to have had an IT team and someone in the background oh. tapping away, writing code in order to develop a communication system that would work for your business. These days, you simply just pay a monthly subscription, so SaaS sort of model. Yep. Um, and then you can drag and drop, you know, create your own communication templates <coughs> very, very easily. Yep. Um, so large, large customers, governments use it. Many big corporations use it. Uh, the growth numbers have been incredible. Um, so they've got companies like McDonald's, Foxtel, BHP, AGL, those sorts of caliber of clients. Um, and the cash generation has been very, very good. The margins are very high it's for these businesses, particularly as they scale. Um, so from our point of view, we think it does have some merit along the same lines as, say, MailChimp has right. um, okay. in the US. So, so a yes from it's you? It's actually a buy from us now, but yeah. it's had a bit of a pullback. Andrew? Well, this could be interesting. Um, yeah. So, yeah, this is one of those um, tech companies when you come along and you, you read the about section, you know, it's yeah. where I, it's the first place I go to when, when someone mentions the stock. What do you do? And cloud-based communications management software as a service, you know, all these yeah. sort of, and like, and to your point, like, well, but what do you actually bloody do? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then yeah. I must admit, though, I don't quite understand what Atlassian does, but yeah. <laughs> it's the same kind of thing, right? <laughs> and they're worth $4 billion yeah, or lot, $24 billion. The 20, a lot more than And it's yeah, hard yeah. for an investor without that firsthand experience. Yes. And, yeah. and I've had some uh, well, experience firsthand recently of uh, some Atlassian products. They're fantastic. Right. And you get, it's like when you first so use zero. For the, they are, right. yeah. So you can use it for project management, IT project management right. software okay. and stuff. Yeah. And it's one of those things that like never was around. And then you kind of think, who would use that? Why would I do that? And then, and you, then you use it. it and you think, <laughs> I get it. So right. MailChimp is another good example. We use yeah. that at, at Strawman. And it's yeah. just, I can't believe how it, there are a lot more competitors. What out was there your now. life like before yeah. you drafting up <laughs> emails, managing like lists of tens Seriously. of thousands of people? It's really hard. And these guys and all of these sort of companies of this ilk just make it easy. It's that that classic saying, you know, software is eating the world. It is just making yeah. so many things easier. Now we the big things have kind of been done, but we're getting into these niches. 
And I actually, just for a bit of prep, thought I should find out a bit about this company, but then I found myself really lingering on their website going, oh, this is cool, maybe we could use this in terms of how you communicate with your customers and all the rest of it. So I think, I think um, so yes, I think the product is very interesting. I think the growth numbers are there to support it. Like, so people are actually buying the damn thing. Um, yeah. So there's a 50% in growth in customers since the IPO, which was only a couple of years ago. They added 43 big customers in the most recent quarter. The uh, annualized recurring revenue grew at some insane amount. Uh, lost to it mm. on my page here. So it's all very interesting. What you don't know and what I would be very um, sure of is that there are other people out there. So if there are competitors to MailChimp, there'll be a competitor to Whisper right. and potentially some much larger, better funded ones as well. And so there's 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 two challenges with the software company. One is actually having a good product and that is actually yeah. super, super hard, believe you me. Um, but, but that sort of like just gets you to the starting plate. From there, you've actually got to, you've got to win these um, network effect races because they do tend to spread very well. Like we saw with Zoom in code, like th th there's a lot of different sort of um, tools out there, but people aggregate around the major players. Yeah. Which benefits just sort of accrue to them. So that was what I would want to dig into a lot deeper. So I'm, I'm crapping on for too long, but basically it looks super interesting. Eight times sales isn't that expensive for a company mm -hmm. growing at these rates and with the market potential. They've raised a bit of money recently. They're going to use um, a chunk of that to move into the US and also kick up their research and development. Right. Shareholders have differing views of that because on one hand, that's less money for me. Yeah. But longer term, it's kind of like, well, you have to lay the foundations for that future growth. Yeah. So I think it's the right thing to do, but whether it's, it's far from a guaranteed success. So come on. I, sorry. Well, I'm going to buy. I'm going to go, 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 go with Michael. Let's, let's add Get it to it the in portfolio. There. Okay. <laughs> All right. Adding it to the core portfolio. Sorry. Which goes in. No, no. It's a really good discussion. So All people you. remember is the buy or sell. Yeah, I'm yeah. just trying no, to say context. No, 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 yeah. no. The feedback context we get back from our viewers is they love the discussion. It's uh, where the value the is. The rationale yeah. behind it, which is really, really interesting. So, Bally, you, you got a really good dissection of, <laughs> of Whisper there. Um, now, Darren wants a, a view, Andrew, on something slightly bigger. Uh, Aristocrat Leisure, the big poker machine manufacturer, which you won't find in the Australian ethical investment portfolio. Um, but the original poker machine manufacturer sells around the world. The Ainsworth family, who had a bit of a falling out and sort of a family, started a competitor called Ainsworth, yep. um, which is, hasn't done nearly as well. This has been the standout in the sector for a long time. Another another one for the time machine, you know, yeah. to go back in if you're after a big uh, sort of blue chip company that can sustain really strong growth, you'll yeah. have very substantial success overseas in very tough markets like the US. They've done it. Their, their return mm -hmm. on equity that they deliver is like north of 30% and has been for yeah. years. Um, there's strong, consistent earnings per share growth no share dilution in the last seven years. So in other words, the company's self-sustaining entirely. Yeah. They're not, they're not borrowing heavily, they're not taking fresh money out of, of shareholders' pockets. Uh, over the last 10 years, shares are up 6x in that time. Now, in, in COVID, they took a real knock. You can't see it on the one-year chart because we now sort of come yeah. out the other side of it now. 50% yeah. or so, look at that. Because um, um, hard to go to a casino during, yeah. during lockdown and, and the US is, is very much their, their major market. Um, Interestingly enough, though, they've made this big move into online uh, gaming, like uh, mobile phone games and that. And it's yeah. actually done really well. So although their, their uh, pokey business has dropped, the, the online uh, business is growing really strongly, about 30% recently as yeah. well. Um, 
And that is, that is a real, I think it's one of those areas that is not spoken of much in investment and business circles mm. is these things that we all have in our pocket and everyone on the train is playing some stupid game and I am too. Yeah. But, or, or a Robin Hood. Uh, yeah, or right. potentially on, on Reddit. <laughs> going from Bet, their Bet360 account to Robin Hood. We're, we're just all superheroes. Battery hens on our little things. And, <laughs> yeah. and the, 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 it's very hard to conceptualize the size of that market. Yeah. And, and, they've, and having said that, big markets are, are there, whether or not you can break into them is another thing. They seem to have done that. Yeah. They seem to have a very good team that can churn out really good games. It's, it's like a movie studio. You know that you're not gonna hit everyone. Mm. And it's the same with Pokey Machines. So they had Queen of the Nile, which I'm not, I don't play Pokey Machines, but apparently it's a huge success. Mm. <laughs> I can't they're all they all look identical to me. I but can't figure out poker machines. I don't know. Yeah, I don't so much easier when you just pulled the thing down. <laughs> now, so the last time I tried a poker machine, I was looking for the handle and couldn't find it. Oh, they're That's super confusing. Couldn't figure it yeah. out. But they are a masterclass in human psychology so, what do you and, reckon? and manipulation. I, I look. I, I would say it's about on their latest guidance. It's about twenty-five p on forward base. Yeah. Seems okay. So. I'd say yes, but each to their yeah. own and ESG considerations. Uh, it's actually one of our biggest holdings, Aristocrat has been for a while. Um, it's taken a bit of time to get going, but it seems to be on a good trajectory at the moment. Um, yeah, their unit sales through COVID for poker machines went through the floor, but it was actually a lot better than expected. Um, and I think often it's people get caught up in the actual headline number, but the fact is they're winning so much market share in this environment because their weaker competitors that aren't as well funded, aren't as well established. Mm -hmm are going by the wayside. They can't reinvest during this period uh, like Aristocrat can and maintain that um, advantage that they've got in developing these games. So they've actually really come out of this period in a much better, stronger position in poker machines. Um, but the digital gaming space is where it's at really from, I mean, that it's diversifying away from that more traditional source of revenue. They did a couple of very large acquisitions probably four or five years ago now one of them was called Big Fish and it gave him that entry into the US yeah. digital social gaming market. So these, some of them are casino type games, but a lot of them are just social typical games. Yeah. And it's just applying the same sort of knowledge that they've got from developing poker machines and, and playing on the psychology and all those things, but just doing it in a more socially acceptable uh, way and where it's not for money, it's not betting, it's not casino related. And they're getting- You're just wasting your time, not your you're just, money. Yeah, you're sitting <laughs> on the bus or whatever and you're, you're playing around. Yeah. But, um, and they've seen Im immense growth there and the margins are potentially very, very high. Uh, and again, they're seeing enormous market share gains in that space leading into COVID yeah. and also during COVID, obviously people are sitting at home, not doing much, they're on the computer or on their phone playing a game. Yeah. So that's also helped adoption rates. So we think that this is a, a good quality business delivering some very good growth numbers and it's a buy because it's not right. it might be a little bit more expensive now in sort of traditional metrics but it's not actually out and out expensive mm. given okay. that it is growing 20 percent plus yeah. and it's all in the games i as i say i can't play poker machines but with my afl hat on um port adelaide we, we have a, a club and a pub that we own we're actually getting We've been selling our poker machines because ethically we don't think it's Good right for a, a community club like ours. But I'm staggered at if you change a machine with a better game on it, what it does to your returns. Yeah. It's all in the development of the games. And I had no idea until I became, and we're trying to replace them with other revenue streams outside of, of gambling. Mm. But it's technology. It's, it's really a technology unbelievable. business. Unbelievable. And psychology. Yeah. Exactly yeah. right. Yeah.
And that's where it's at. Stop building the machines. It's the, the going behind it. Yeah. Uh, final stock, Lachlan wants a view on, uh, on mortgage choice. Uh, mm-hmm. Michael, uh, share price been under a bit of pressure recently. Yeah, it's a bit surprising considering the housing market that we've been seeing, the fact that interest rates had fallen so much and demand for mortgages has really held up during COVID. But then shareholders have been given a lifeline of sorts with the takeover proposal offered by realestate.com. Yes. So you've seen the share price have a gap higher. Um, and because it's a sort of, I think it was almost 80% premium to where it was trading, it's very likely it will get through. Perhaps it's somewhat opportunistic by REA seeing mm. a beaten up mortgage broker, but yeah. mortgage brokers are a very competitive space. Yeah, guess where um, that bid was made. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, um, there's a lot of there's a lot mm. of competition, and I think often the, the bigger, more sort of larger franchisee type mortgage brokers maybe aren't as good as the independent private ones. But obviously, yeah. there's also a, a bit of negativity around the industry because yeah. of what came out of the Royal so Commission. So it's undertaken over there. Look, it's, I, don't, I you, think you're going to hold it for sure. Yeah. Or, no, or you, look, in, you could even... No, I'd sell. You could sell it yeah. because what could happen is the bid, for whatever reason, might get pulled. Yeah. And guess what? That share price could be back at $1.10 or it's wherever a, it's it was. It's a bird in the hand so scenario. Often, often what we do is, depending on the company, we often take half off the table, leave half in case there's a superior offer that comes through. But something like that where you've literally doubled your money off the bid, almost doubled your money off the, the takeover bid, then we'll be taking money. Yeah, yeah they're, they're helping shareholders out more than just in a premium too. They're helping yeah. them you know, out of a yeah. long-term losing relationship. Because, yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah. if you can't make money in the kind of property market that we've had in Australia, yeah. and like, and they, like their, yeah. their track record is just ordinary. So it's just tough. Our, REA's choice, a mortgage choice, was question, wasn't it? Of all the groups, why did you go for that? Yeah, it, it really like, seems like a strange. Yes. I, I get, I get the rationale in terms of the adjacencies and all but of that. Them? But why them? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. maybe it was a price thing and a, and a, a belief that they can turn so it around. Shareholder take advantage. Take, of it. take the money and put it somewhere yep. else. Yeah, okay. you've got a really great opportunity. All right, let's just recap the final five stocks. TPG, uh, a no from both Michael and, and Andrew. Web Central, a no. Whisper, a yes from both of them. Aristocrat Leisure, a yes from both, um, and a sell if you're in mortgage choice. Get out of it now. Um, Andrew Post, the straw man. Great to see you, as usual. Always great fun, you two. Michael Wang from Medallion. Thanks for having me. Always a terrific discussion. So uh, really appreciate their time. I got a lot out of it. Hopefully you did as well. And if you'd like any stocks to be put to our um, our, um, expert panel, um, flick us an email the call at osbiz.com.au and we'll get around to it or tweet us using the at osbiztv uh, handle if you want to see all the stocks in the calls portfolio head to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio and for a complete wrap up of the day in business and markets and finance you've got to subscribe to the osbiz newsletter uh, you get Scuddy's view in there you get a link to the close of business podcast also links to the most popular interviews and videos during the day here on Ausbiz. Subscribe at ausbiz.co slash the COB. And on the Startup Daily show this afternoon from 2pm, which looks at all things private capital, private equity, startups, scale-ups, venture capital, uh, Sam Elson uh, joining the team amongst a number of others who have just raised $34 million to expand the operations of his company, Seaforest. That is coming up on the Startup Daily Show at 2 p.m. A lot happening this afternoon. You don't want to miss a minute of it. We'll be back after this.